Welcome to Upfront, I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. Today, we are joined by a very special guest to talk all things England. Uh, part of the Lionesses squad at the 2017 Euros and the 2007, 2015 and 2019 World Cups, Carly Telford knows a thing or two about major tournaments. She's always been described as a big character in any dressing room and one of England's most successful goalkeepers, as well as one of Emma Hayes' most trusted players. So today, where asking Carly what it's like to prepare for a World Cup, what it's like playing with Millie Bright, our new captain, and after confirming her own imminent retirement, what it's like to go up against the one and only Megan Rapino, and also the discussions that she's had with uh, you know Alex Morgan about that celebration. It's going to be a cracking show, so tune in. Right. I mean, we are joined today by Carly Telford. I am trying my absolute hardest not to fangirl too hard this podcast because you are absolutely one of my goalkeeping idols, a big part of the reason that I've that the analysis that I've done around your gameplay has been, I mean, the, the clips that I've seen, um, yeah, that was a big part of like my time at, at Spurs and sort of, you know, over the, you know, even sort of working a little bit with Emma Byrne as well in the past, like you are one of the absolute goal con- goalkeeper icons. So, um, wow. Thank you so much. <laughs> Can I just clip that section? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll send you that as a reel um, if you That's want. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for joining us and especially since we are preventing you now from uh, obtaining some Taylor Swift tickets as well so um, we understand and appreciate your time is very precious and we will try to get you those tickets ASAP but we'll use our connections <laughs> I'm going to hold front. you to that yeah 100% it's on record I want now. to too <laughs> oh okay we'll, we'll do our best Rach we'll do what we can <laughs> But obviously the Lionesses are headed out to Australia on Friday. Big, big day for them. Um, I mean, yeah, Carly, you, you're, have you spoken to any of them? Have you kind of like touched base with them, see what they're feeling, thoughts? I mean, going into this tournament, it's um, it's a big one, obviously. It is huge. I've actually left them be a little bit um, because time difference is a bit awkward and I've been a bit hectic, but it was my birthday on Friday. So I caught up with a couple of them when oh. they wished me happy birthday, which was really nice. Um, happy birthday. Yeah, I think, thank you very much. I'm feeling very old, very <laughs> nostalgic. Um, but yeah, they're, um, they're great. You know what it is? I think they're pleasantly surprised because I think obviously it's winter in Australia. So they were, I think in it was going to be bad weather, but they've actually been blessed on the Gold Coast. It's a beautiful place and it's so different to, I think, anything we've been used to um, in terms of a lot of the a lot of the girls' tournaments. Their first major one was the Euros, obviously in our beautiful own country. So then to go so far afield and experience something completely different. Um, obviously, I had the pleasure of playing in Australia, so I know how beautiful it is and how um, what the people are like, what the the place is like what the coffee and the food is like so I think they're kind of experienced it all in this nice this nice build-up and I think they're very secluded I think they're very protected in terms of like they can kind of go out on walks and feel quite safe and not like um they're going to get bombarded by the public and stuff so I think it's probably a really relaxed environment for them which is key going into a tournament where probably for one of the first times where we're really running as favorites um so yeah I think it's it's a nice setup for them but I will catch up with them um the next couple of days when probably they've settled down and got over their jet lag <laughs> and are there any sort of like go-to places that people that you go to sort of in Australia sort of like any really sort of I don't know bars or any favorite favorite beaches that the lionesses would go to or any funny stories from <laughs> I hope sort of no times bars. out there <laughs> maybe after the tournament's finished yeah, yeah. Serena's let them go really rogue if they're in bars um well, no, after we've won guarantee- the trophy obviously oh definitely they'll be yeah they'll be de- I don't even want to know what they're up to after the trophy to be honest <laughs> um 
I think that a lot of them will go for coffee places. Obviously, that's like a staple hold of any, I think, footballer these days. But it seems like they've spent a lot of time at the beach. Um, and I think I've seen about a thousand videos of kangaroos. So I think they're just pretty much in all. I think today they might have had a day off as well. So there's a lot of boat pictures. And I think um, some of the girls went to like a zoo or a wildlife park. There was Rachel was holding a koala bear on, on her close friend's story. So that was really cute. But again, that, that that's where things have changed though. Like once upon a time, you'd have just posted where you are and having coffee and having food. But I think now their, their social outreach is so big that they're quite aware that if they put things up, either media or, or people will come to the place where they are. And then it's not as maybe kind of private as, you, as you'd like it to be. So Yeah, I can attest to that. When we had the, uh, the open training session the other day, nearly 3,000 people turned up. Like a lot of locals obviously and like a lot of fans of the team which was just crazy like when we spoke to Lotta and Lucy afterwards they're like this is like this could be St George's Park except better weather like it felt like a kind of home fans almost which was really really nice and I think yeah like you were saying where they are where the hotel is it's quite a nice like it's almost a bit like Venice Beach it's like little waterways so they kind of almost have their own little inlet with the beach and stuff by the hotel it looks lush all right Carly I mean uh, you're of course involved in the uh, the World Cup uh, from home uh, in Canada in t- 2015 I mean how do you think mm-hmm. this kind of tournament's going to compare with that in terms of you know, the time difference getting acclimatized uh, the jet lag um, yeah like you said sort of you know being in and around lots of different types of fans who aren't necessarily going to be your best friends on the pitch um, yeah how do you contend with all that I think it's the good thing for us is that we're going into a tournament where it is winter time so I think acclimatization won't be a huge thing a lot of the girls obviously were in a an English or British summer so the girls were acclimatized to low 20s high teens which it seems to be on the Gold Coast so very similar weather for us um so that should be really cool jet lag is a little bit hard sometimes but it seems like we've done all the kind of preparations you've seen the glasses they're wearing and the the, the plans the the medical team would have the sports science would have put in place so I've no doubt that within a week to 10 days that'll be a thing of the past and not even being thought about and again the fans we've we've played in the hostile crowds, I remember, like you say, that the game against Canada where I think it was about, it was just our families, I think, were England fans. <laughs> and there was like 55,000 Canadians just rooting for us to lose. Um, those kind of experiences, the girls, like you say, the, the Lucy Bronzes, the Jordan Nobses that were, were present in those tournaments are so key. And I think that's that's where you have the very blended balance that Serena gives within a tournament, um, not just because they're fantastic players, but it's the experience which they hold and then can give to the, the young girls that might have never experienced that before. Um, I love how Rachel's frozen. It's <laughs> it's definitely worth a screenshot, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, Great. Yeah, it's. I think it's like we've got a really good blend in the squad. So again, like the game's changed so much. These The young girls now, they just don't have any fear. I think that's the thing that I, I, I appreciate so much of them now. Yes, internally, they might be nervous but I think when it comes to crowds and stuff you look at a lot of them have played in front of 80,000 at Wembley now or whether it was 25,000 at MK like it's just a it's just become the norm for them so I think once upon a time it was really fresh when you'd go from 3,000 fans in the WSL to then 55,000 fans at a World Cup but a lot of them now play in big stadiums where they're going from 20, 25,000 at least once a month now whether that's internationally or at their, their, their main stadiums so rolling out into these major tournaments it's I'd not say bread and butter, but it's 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 not as hard as I guess it used to be or as daunting. Um, so yeah, I think it'll just be a real excitement for them. If I'm honest, I think the only nerves will be is is to like any major tournament. It's just you just need to get out of the group, finish top, and, and then roll from there. Were there any particular no. moments? Obviously, being keeper and being sort of in front of those large crowds where you've got a lot of hostile fans perhaps I mean you're quite in an isolated position and you can hear the crowd oh, yeah. so much more than any other position and I used to get 
um, the kind of, oh, oh yeah. is he going up for the goal <laughs> kick? Or even just like yeah. downright abuse. Like, or if I, if I was oh. picking the ball out of the back of my net, like how, how did you used to cope with moments like that? You know what it is? Like the bigger the crowd, the almost better it was. <laughs> Um, because it kind of just became like white noise. I just, I remember the 2019 we played USA and there was like 55,000 and I can't even remember anything from that game really. I mean, there's reasons for it as well, but I just feel like the bigger the crowd, the more it just becomes all one noise. Whereas like the smaller the crowd, you can really hear people getting... (laughs) I remember when um, I had to play in the opening game against Man United uh, two seasons ago, um, I think it was. Like, Anne got injured like the day before she got concussion, so I had to play. And going up to Man United, that was that one of the worst. That I remember <laughs> at the time, I think I was like second or maybe first, just like just ahead of Mary. And obviously I wasn't playing as often as Mary was. And then behind the goal going, um, sort of like, England's number five, England, England's oh. number five. And I was like, well, I was like, <laughs> I was just laughing as I was like warming up. But every time the ball went near me, it was like, oh, if like the concert it was yeah I was getting I was getting hounded a bit but I just laughed and at the end of the end the best thing was at the end of the game they all wanted me to sign stuff and I was like guys you've just abused me just abused me for 90 minutes um and I said I was laughing but the the good thing is like you could have a laugh with them and they're like we don't really mean it you know that and I said no no it's uh, I get it it's but that kind of fan rivalry is 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 new to the game I guess Mm -hmm. as such as well like we've never really experienced it as as female footballers so I think you have to have or start getting a bit of a thick skin because I think it is going to become more more pre- pre- prevalent. But no, apart from that, like it's 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 kind of nice that there's more people because again, it just it just it's just one big noise <laughs> unless you're picking the ball up and someone like I think Hannah Hampton had a weird moment where with a ball boy went to give it and then yeah, kind of pulled yeah. it away from her. And she was just hearing the ball boy giving it like that is top um, shit Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'd have been like my face would have gone red. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's it's thankfully not not so bad at the minute. And that would have been hilarious. Uh, like sort of Carly Telford shoves ball boy and assaults him on the, on the side of the pitch. Yeah. Well, we've already had that with Sam, haven't we? When Sam got the uh, the the. As you rugby sang the bit, yeah. <laughs> gold. Oh, absolute gold. When you're away at a tournament, obviously, you know you've you've done it before, but you know they're there a whole two weeks before the first game. How do you feel the time? Because obviously, it's not all about training. Um, you know, is it all about the team? Do you just like stay in your team camp? Do you kind of? How does it kind of work? How does it work? Yeah, so the beauty of it is obviously we're in a a completely different place to what anyone's ever been before. So the schedule, this is the crazy thing is like they would have had the schedule done for months. So they would have known when they're arriving, what it would have looked like, what the next six to eight weeks like, the the plot of the if, buts and maybes, um, the good, the bad, the ugly. So for the next two weeks, the girls would have spent probably the first two days, I know they did some light training and it would have been about trying not to sleep when you're not supposed to be sleeping, trying to eat the right foods to help you kind of recover what you've lost on the flight um, and just getting to know the area. So a lot of it just would have been chilling, relaxing, a lot of pool sessions. If any of the girls have got recovery um, or are on schedules in terms of their return to training, so like so probably Millie, Jordan, etc. We haven't seen a lot of in full training yet, um, kind of making sure they've got everything that they need. It's very relaxed on camp. I think you would have seen a lot of the girls take a lot of their iPads and whatnot. A lot of Netflix gets used. Um, a lot of coffee gets drunk, and then just mainly just chill, like just chilling. It's a very boring part of the day after training. Um, but also a lot of the girls will, will nap 
do the Sudoku's. Like it's, it sounds and looks very gra- glamorous on Instagram, but a lot of it, it's just filling in time until you eat. <laughs> we kind of live, live by meetings <laughs> and food. So when, when we eat, when the next meeting is, when do we, when's the next meeting? And then, yeah, just chilling. We're, we're really good friends with a lot of the staff members. So a lot of us hang out with the kit man afterwards, once they finish their work, um, social media in Lou, Rich, like we've just all got kind of people that we, we like to interact with and, and kind of speak about normal things and just take kind of the football away from it because everyone's speaking about football so sometimes you just want to talk about mundane stuff like music concerts what people's families have been up to what if families are coming out and then you look forward to the days off because that's when you can plan stuff so again um, the girls would have got their heads together and probably been given a list of stuff they would like to do whether that's I think whale watching some that was, I think some of the girls would whale watching today and then again what's nice is that it'll give you options because not everybody wants to do the same thing not everyone's entertained and when you have that day off they're so few and far between some people might not want to do anything and just chill in the hotel some people might want to go out to meet koala bears some people might want to whale watch some people might want to kayak paddleboard so they're given lots of different options and that's kind of the nice thing is that we've learned that not to put everyone in the same boat as effect and uh, expect everyone to have enjoy that day as such um so yeah i think we've had we have a lot of conversations before major tournaments because like in the euros the harmony of the group's the most important thing um and if the harmony of the groups well i think you're 60 to 80 percent on the way of 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 doing very well in the tournament and who um on your time in camps i mean it's i always think it's so important to find out on the way to the camp like who you're going to be bunked up with and um, do you have a say <laughs> in that and who have you been bunked up with and have they been a good match for you because i've been bunked up with like the younger keepers who are like 20 years old and the music they love they- doing that it's shocking. Just put I don't all know the why together. together. It's oh, bizarre. Mate. I think because they think we're strange enough to enjoy each other's company, nobody else will. <laughs> something along those lines. But um, the weird days of one room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, um, you know what? You know what? The it's a sad and a good thing. So since COVID, I think we went a lot of individual rooms, and I think we had an option to go back. But I think a lot of the girls were quite happy having their own room, so no one actually shares anymore. Um, which is kind of nice because as you get older, you realise that actually you like your own space and it's optional to go in and out of each other's room if you need to. And sometimes there are two, be- two beds in a room, so if you want to have a sleepover for your pal, you can still invite them around. Um, oh. But yeah, I think pre- pre-COVID, I was, so I was Laura Bassett's um, roommate in Canada. A lot of my youth days I spent, Jill, Jill Scott was my roommate, which was... Oh my God, that must have been hilarious. The both oh, of you it was, must have had wow. some yeah. stories. She's trying to get me on that coffee club and I said, Jill, I don't think we should be allowed on the coffee club together <laughs> because the stories are actually, I don't know whether it'll make or break the actual podcast, to be honest, or whether half you the know stuff can get put out on there. Oh, way too much. That's why we have to stay friends, to be honest. Yeah, my Olympics buddy was Jill and that was... Yeah. Carnage. Just, oh no. Honestly, we drove back from Media Day last <laughs> Tuesday and we were talking about it. I was crying. I nearly crashed the car. The pair of us were laughing so hard at some of the stuff in the Olympics. And I was like, how is that even like allowed? I mean, if you want to share some of these stories, <laughs> that would be absolutely good. I'd love to do it. I feel, like I, need, I feel like I need Jill's approval, but honestly, it was just absolutely <laughs> mental. Like, I just, there's a clip which we will release one day. Uh, we went on a paddle boarding in Kingston on a thing and me and Jill went off and we got stuck in a tree. To How? The, the, uh, <laughs> don't, Jill was driving, Jill steering, whatever you want to call it, and she completely drove us into a tree, which the tree was wrapped around her neck. I was hanging off the board. The people in charge were like, you need to get out with the water. The girls were all like screwing, like they're all rolling around on their boards. Like, it's like, Jill's got a tree, which is like a wishbone around her neck. I'm actually, I think I might have actually wet myself slightly on the board because... <laughs> We were trying to get out of it and we couldn't. And Jill was just like, she was like, help. <laughs> oh, it was just, uh, yeah, it was just like that. That was the start of the trip. But I, 
like after that, that was it just a start. escalated. Oh, no. Yeah, that was like a team building trip. <laughs> it was downhill. Oh, it was just oh, it was yeah, it was just carnage. But yeah, there was so much happened on that trip. It was just yeah, funny. Yeah, we probably have to ask the serious questions now, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, um, you know, there's going to be lots of players making their World Cup debut. Mm. Um, in this World Cup and, and you know what that's like and that also includes Mary Earps uh, yeah. how difficult was it and, and is it more difficult as a goalkeeper is it fair to say you know goalkeeper union is it more difficult in that position yeah so it's funny because um, me and Mary had a, a chat about this when we went to Qatar like five or six years ago and I remember Mary talking about this like in a she's done a lot of interviews about how her kind of journey's been and I remember having a serious conversation we'd, we'd played like an in behind closed doors game and I don't think she got any minutes and I think at the time it was me Shiv and, and her maybe or me Ellie and, and and I wasn't playing a lot of Chelsea I think Ellie was doing okay but she was really young and then I think Mary's playing really well at I think she was still at Reading and I think she was just like Carla like I don't get it like how how am I not getting game time like you've been through it by this point I was I think I was maybe 30 29 30 and I think Mary was only 24 25 and I just, we had, we sat, I remember getting out the lift um, and we were sat on the floor outside and um, I just said to our mate, I was like, you just have to be patient. And I know that sounds so hard for me to say, but, or easy for me to say, because I'm sat here now and I'm the one that's getting game time and you're not, and you feel like you're doing really well. But internationally it is, it is a patience game. And how I looked at it is I looked at all the goalkeepers before me, whether it was Brownie, Leanne Hall, KV, Shiv, um, and everyone kind of got their running when they were like above 28, 29. Everyone got drip fed in for the odd friendly, the odd this, that, and that. But when people really got a good run in is when they were... Now, whether that's a thing based on a management and experience or whatever, but I was just like, you know what it is, mate? I was like, you've just... And sometimes you have no control. There's just managers that will like you, managers that won't. They like your style, they like your personality. They've worked with you before. Um, and you just have to sit tight because I said to her, I was like, if I'm honest, mate, I was like, I've been left out of, I think I got left out maybe two major tournaments in my career and it was the worst thing ever. I'd rather be on a bench with the team and watching and enjoying mm-hmm. the whole event than being left at home. And I know that sounds bizarre because obviously everyone wants to be on the pitch, but not everyone can be on the pitch, especially if you're a goalkeeper. But there are sometimes opportunities where you will get that opportunity, but you can't if you're at home. So I said to me, I was just like, look, and I think she probably went away and whether she listened or not or whatever, I mean, I think she did, but I still think she had to do a lot of soul searching and a lot of, of work behind the scenes and like say she wasn't getting selected for a bit, but you've got to give credit to her that she's gone away and worked goddamn hard. Um, and you don't just become, you don't just have a good major tournament and then become the world's best goalkeeper, like out of the blue and randomly. And I think that's what I love about Mary's journey. And I have no doubt that one day she'll, probably write a book or write a story about her journey and how difficult those moments were for her but the reward you get at the end of it is worth it um and going into her first world cup as such off the back of such a good tournament and a very steady season for mary in terms of like made champions league now most clean sheets um i think she's she's replicated that and i think that's the thing for goalkeepers is like it's consistency um, and I think Mary's in that very consistent phase of her career, which is the most important thing because with consistency comes confidence. And as we know, Chloe being confident as a goalkeeper is a huge thing because when you're not feeling that, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. If you don't feel when you cross that white line confident, you've got all sorts of problems going on before you even try to get involved in the game. So yeah, I think with Mary, I think that she's a very confident person. Um, 
she's very critical, uh, very analytical, um, and is a bit of a perfectionist, but aren't we all as goalkeepers? Even though it doesn't exist, we'll try and chase it. Um, but yeah, I think that she's going into the tournament with a little bit more weight on her shoulders in terms of what she's achieved and maybe her responsibility around camp as assist, as assistant, sorry, as vice captain. Um, potentially, if Millie's not ready, she might have to captain that first game. Um, but it's, 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 an, it's a huge honour, and I know that Mary and her family take it greatly that it's it's an honour to be there and she feels so blessed and I think that probably her reflection over the past two seasons or two years has been that how how things could have been so different for her um, so to just enjoy every minute and I think that's what she's doing and if you can have that kind of mindset rather than looking at it and thinking oh my god I've got to achieve what I did last year or last tournament I think that just settles you and calms you down. How do you sort of like going into these big sort of major international tournaments obviously you're talking there a little bit about consistency and you know every goalkeeper's had absolute howlers where you just want the ground to swallow you up and you just never want to see or hold a ball again and you just think oh this is it I'm just gonna hang up my gloves I mean how could I have done something so stupid so publicly um and obviously, like Mary, I think obviously going into this uh, tournament, she'll be all too aware. I, I, you, know, you can see the look on her face when she sort of made a couple of errors with the uh, the finalists in the game. Um, hmm. How does how do you, how did you recover? How do you bounce back from you know mistakes like that going into something this big? What do you what kind of conversations will she be having with her goalkeeper coach? And sort of, I know there's a lot of work around sort of um, sports psychology at the moment, um, hmm. and the lionesses will obviously be talking to her sports psychologists about how to manage the pressure. But but how did you cope? And how do you think she'll be coping with that? I think a lot of it's to do with like your consistent behaviours and and the team you build around you. So whether that's your staff, your players, and the the families, family and friends you surround yourself with, because at the end of the day, they're they're the people that matter. There is always going to be someone on social media that wants someone else to do better, or thinks they know better, or thinks someone else should know better, or being goal or whatever it is. So I think that in those moments, I think I've learned. I think with social media being so prevalent in all of our lives now, um, I think a lot of the girls will come off or switch their socials off or just post we have this thing in camp where we'll just post and not scroll we will go on these my journeys where we decide to make decisions based on our own mental health because it's so important and that has a big effect on what it's like when you do step on the pitch but as a goalkeeper it's a we know it's a very lonely place and it's a place of for very little margin for error um but I think for someone like Mary and how I used to deal with it I was like I would obviously analyze the situation first so if there isn't a situation I'm like was I in a good position was I tuned in? Do I, did anything happen before that? Um, go through that with the goalkeeper and coach because, again, that's the major thing. Obviously, Serena will look at, at uh, Darren and be like, is, is she okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> what happened? And then Darren's going, we'll discuss it afterwards or whatever, like as, a, as the goalkeeper and coach. But, yeah, you have that kind of... And you have your goalkeeper union as well, so you kind of bounce off them. Um, but a lot of it, I think consistency and training is the, is the main thing. And then when you cross that, that, that line, you don't think about anything you're just in in game mode and everything flows so i think if you know you've if you have no doubt crossing that line you have no no mistakes everything just feels really easy for a change Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Another thing, obviously, you have to prep for in a major tournament and 
hoping that we don't see penalties. penalties. Um, and, you know, <laughs> it happened in the finalissima. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't happen at the Euros, thankfully. What's the prep like with that? Do you have, obviously, prep on the pitch. Do you... Like, is there a psychologist kind of? Do you talk to people about that side of things, oh, yeah. or we have a whole team is it just of very people. Much based? So it came from. I remember we started it uh, before, was it before the Olympics or the the Euros, but yeah, basically I think the men's team went into a load of deal with Pickford. Um, what was it, two thousand and eighteen? So, or maybe after after 2019 where he's, everyone's seen his ball and it had all the stuff on it so that same team of people um, the guys that worked on the analytics of that came into camp and just went through everything so we'll sit with Darren we'll sit with because every goalkeeper is different in terms of the amount of information that they want to have the way their start positions are um, and we'll go through all that the kind of triggers that we'll see the trends of the players um, stepping up who are taking penalties the order in which they might take them silly things that we can do to put uh, players off, um, how the team can put players off, whether it's you take the ball away and then you give them the ball or you walk up to them and give them the ball or you walk up to them and you get in their face. Like there's all sorts of things where there's, it's all about like, say it's fine margins and gaining percentages and for us as what goalkeepers. What were your tactics like, for that? For putting off strikers, my, ta- <laughs> uh, my tactics were, you know what, I'm, I'm actually, like I'm just too nice. I probably should no. have done a lot more than what I did. Yeah, I was not, I used to like, I, I was like, how do you have the, to do that like I just think that's really mean <laughs> but yeah I, I thankfully wasn't in too many um, penalty shootouts but yeah a lot of it was like if I had to hold the ball I'd kind of maybe walk up to them and then drop it to the side or whatever nice. you've seen the whole thing can you scuff the penalty spot up a little? I mean we're not to be fair the referees are hot on it this year that's one thing I must admit is that I don't think they're going to let the goalkeepers really get close to the players taking it um, or you'll be carded there's lots of things that referees have kind of because of past tournaments male and female where they've been caught out doing things <laughs> I think it's that I think you're not allowed to bang on the crossbar now so once upon a time mm. you jump and hit the bar um, I think you can move around on the line but you have to have at least foot one foot one part of your foot behind the line which obviously bars obviously check in and then um, I think the referee if you do have the ball I think you can't give the ball to the player it has to go to either the referee or you have to put it down so again it's it's all all the tactics we've kind oh, of wanted to use is now getting taken drama. away I, know. I mean it's not like they have an advantage <laughs> if they're kicking a ball from 12 yards away like what more do they need if we want to have a like, little bit of play around for them let us live what was your approach to penalties would you re- would you react off of what you saw or would you would yeah. you go and, and risk it would you to be fair though there wasn't that much detail I guess around in, in my time um, but I, I went off kind of their body shape and maybe if previous like we used to old school like or Chelsea we'd have in the change room with set pieces like who the potential takers are and what their kind of last five penalties and where they were and where they're successful so if you you kind of if you're in a game and there's there's an, a penalty you, you could try and remember a Kim Little or a I don't know who takes the, the, the frequent penalty takers for instance for the different teams but yeah it was just a lot about going off their body shape and then trying to react um in as best way as possible giving yourself the, the best amount of time to, to get across the goal get across the goal and you know what it's like we're not meant to save penalties so if you do it's an it's an extra bonus and you're the hero you're but if, hero. You, if you don't yeah. everyone's like oh well who gives the penalty away yeah. <laughs> i hate it's it when they strike right down the middle and you're like i oh, should have just stayed i just think that's a jammy horrible so- thing to do so I've gone with in my thought process, 80 minutes, pressure penalty now, I reckon not eight, seven to eight times out of 10, a player will go down the middle now if it's a reckon? pressure penalty. Because they know the goalkeeper's probably going to go one way. And there's a lot of them, when it gets towards the end of the game and it's a big moment, either it's a winning penalty or to draw to get them into something, like a lot of them will just run up now and absolutely smash it down the middle because they know we're going to take off one way or the other. But um, God, it's whether we're brave enough to stand there and look silly. 
because that's what you do. You look silly if you don't go and they've just rolled it into the corner and you think, oh, God. Oh, well, I'm going to have to message you now. What is the, like, you, like, what is the line? It's secret to USA now. In the final, and it's Marriott's in goal, penalty shootout, last 10. Marriott just stands there solidly, like, just holding just their game. just it away. Yeah. <laughs> and then hopefully she does this at the end, because that would oh. be the one, just to, just to throw it back. Me and Alex have had this conversation. We've parked it. I'm, I'm over it. I said, that was one of the first conversations me and Alex Morgan had when I joined San Diego. I said, mate, I said, come on. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. Just, what's going on here? I was like, we can be friends. This, this needs to be explained for podcast listeners here. Yeah, so I was the, I was the goalkeeper uh, when we played America, which I didn't know at the time. So when Alex scores, she ran off into the corner and pretended she was sipping a cup of tea. To my, I did, again, none of us really knew. I only knew when you got into, so when you finish the game, you have to immediately have to go into a media section. You don't go to fans, friends, staff, changing room, straight into the media section. So my first interview is, bearing in mind we've lost in a crazy game, was, oh my God, what do you think of Alex Morgan's celebration? And I'm thinking, well, it wasn't exactly something I was really thinking about, to be honest. Um, and they were like, yeah. have you seen it? And I said, no. So kindly turns around the phone and there's Alex... <laughs> giving it the whole pinky in the air. And I thought, right then, <laughs> me and you are not going to get on well. Nah. Um, so anyway, it went away. And then there was a big hoo-ha that pressed the next day because everyone was kind of like, is she taking the mick out of the, the English? And blah, blah. and it kind of come around that apparently it was off something of Game of Thrones. And all of us were like, I was like, I've watched Game of Thrones. I don't remember anyone drinking tea in Game of Thrones. But I was no, like, I'll give not. it the benefit of the doubt. Kind of left it, went to San Diego. And I said... So at one of our first nights, um, I got there our second night, we had like a team bonding night. So we, we'd had some wines and I was sat opposite Al and I said, mate, I've just got to ask you something because I was like, really annoying me. I was like, I know you scored, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, yeah. She, I was like, was it because we're English that you sort of drank the tea? And she was like, I was like, I knew it. <laughs> I was like, we are not going to be friends, mate. <laughs> I was like, honestly, I was like, I could have killed you when I seen that. She was like, it was just a spur in the moment. Never. I was like, okay, so she was like, got loads of tea bags from it though. I said, you don't even like tea, Alex. I was like, she got shit tea bags. She was sponsored tea bags, by Techies afterwards. Probably just... yeah, Yorkshire tea, like whatever. I thought they were she crap tea Everyone bags. Sending her tea bags because they fully not appreciated Yorkshire. what she'd done. And I was like, actually, but it actually was a really good bonding moment for us because we actually got really well. But I just said, not again, not in my presence. And she was laughing about it. You've just spilled the tea on that whole that whole thing <laughs> i have spilt the tea but yeah i would have spilt a lot of tea i mean she's spilt a lot of tea but we're not talking that again was, oh god if it wasn't for the pinot <laughs> moment so not only did they have the pinot moment where she did that <laughs> yeah. in previous the woman had sipping the tea as well i thought oh god honestly but she they're very clever at doing stuff like that she was she was really good at like i don't know how they think of it but when we played our snapdragon game and everyone did the the surf celebration when mm-hmm. we went running at the corner when Jaden scored that was alex thought of that literally we were two minutes from walking out and she was like guys if we score i reckon we get on the pretend you're on a surfboard in the corner and whatever and it went viral and i'm like you just literally thought of that in like two seconds and also who thinks that we're going to like such in, like american mentality like obviously we're going to win obviously let's have like have our moment and just make sure it goes viral and what did you think of their, um, their advert, their reveal, their big reveal with Taylor Swift oh, yeah. and yeah. Oh, Biden? I know. And... Oh, God, I, that, I said to her, I, like, she texted, but basically she texted me and she was like, Car, I know the dates, the European team to us are texting them. Because I said to her, I was like, give me a heads up. Texted her, I was like, absolutely buzzing. And we were chatting, I was like, are you going to come over? She was like, I want to come and see you, play golf, like, do some shopping, whatever. And I said, well, why don't you try and t- tie in with Taylor? because you are friends and then I was like maybe if I need tickets <laughs> um, and then no she was laughing she was like no if I can get over I definitely will um so that would be really cool whether it's with Taylor or not but yeah their, their reveals are like 
second to none. I know we did something similar, like the year, um, was it the year before, our 2019 we had, yeah, where we had a lot of really cool people coming in and announce us all. But then they just know how to just go like, we'll just take it up another gear, <laughs> next level it. And I'm just like, guys, just do one. But that's just the kind of, of celebrity, you know what it's like? Well, I don't know if you do it. It's like when you go to like games, there's just like celebrities everywhere. And you're just like, what? what is going on here like it's like movie stars banging a drum um tony hawk was um did our thing where he like hit the drum for like the start of a game i'm like tony hawk like i used to play his playstation game like all the time now he's just here watching a game at san diego it's like i just well i mean talking about some of the sort of big names that you played in and around against uh, obviously we just seen sort of megan rapino announcing this is going to be mm. uh, her retired her retiring year this year so we'll see one last season of her before she's she's off she made her 200th appearance uh for the us on sunday uh, in san jose in california um which is absolutely insane i mean what's it like sort of playing against her and sort of you know she's such an icon what she's done for the game the on the off pitch advocacy that she's done i mean mm-hmm. yeah have you kind of spoken to her much about like her life her career her legacy if i'm honest we've never i've never been in her presence long enough to do so i'm sure like a lot of people you'd love to sit and just pick her brains you could probably sit there all day and listen to her kind of life story from her perspective because I think a lot of people with someone like Megan is like they'll just assume based on her social media the way she acts in front of the media the statements she she makes but probably her as a person is very different and the experiences or life experience that she's had to be able to stand in front of the kind of people she stood in front of and talk the way she does like you have to have a lot of education. You have to have read a lot of things. You have to have experienced a lot of things to be able to stand and do that. And I think that's why I have such a respect for, for those girls that can stand and do that because they're always treading a fine line. There's always, there's always like a tipping point where I think that Megan Rapinoe and a lot of the American girls have stood up for things where you think, should, should they really be doing that? But at the time, yeah, and they've had a lot of criticism for it, but then when actually people read into it or get on board with it, you realise that the statements that they're making have a lot of effect on who we are as people, our social, how we act socially and responsibly or irresponsibly as such, or even make you question maybe how you've been acting in those environments. Have you done enough? Have you said enough? Have you been in a moment where you could have stuck up for someone or, or said, no, that's not correct, or just had really shared your opinion? And I think that, especially as females, not just athletes, just in work and in life in general, there's so much of us as has always felt inferior. And I think that what those girls have done and someone like Megan Rapinoe has has given people a voice. Um, and I think you can't, I don't, you can't like, you can't talk highly enough of someone that, do, that puts themselves on that platform for the first time and does that. And it allows others to do that. So I feel like a lot of other captains of nations and a lot of the players of other nations that have felt um, that their federations aren't doing enough, that they're, um, infrastructure is not good enough that they have um, politics within their country that they don't really agree with they've used their platforms now because of the likes of Megan Rapinoe and other girls on that national team to really speak and advocate for whether it's minorities or within the group of people that they sit in whether it's their team or their, their families and how they're affected by it and really use their voice to to stand up for for things that they believe in which is ultimately what we all should be allowed to do um but the platforms that they have allows them to have such more of an effect than what the the the, the dual blogs do or the the day-to-day life of people do but it gives people reassurance and that they're not alone and they're not having thoughts that are so different to someone that has such a high profile as this like big superstar that they have those thoughts and ideas too so 
they can go into their maybe workplaces or their schools or wherever they are and maybe be like, look, this person says this, or I, or they believe that, like, that's how I feel. Um, and I can't imagine how many people and how many lives she's affected because of that, that will never probably tell their stories or never be heard. But I think her, the way she's conducted herself and the controversy she's put herself in to have a bigger effect on, on the game and society. Um, I don't know whether in female football, that will ever be replicated, um, if I'm honest, um, because society is thankfully changing and hopefully these things aren't as big as they were four or five years ago when she took the knee and she stood up for, for different things. Um, but yeah, that's, I think I would love, like many people, to sit in a room with her and ask about how she went about and the decisions she made and why she done them because I just think she's a, a really interesting person that um, has used her voice in a way that I guess we've never seen in, in women's sport before. I do wonder as well, we're starting to see more players willing to speak up or willing to use their platforms. It's interesting you said about wishing that like players have been allowed to do that. Do you think there is an element maybe from federations or clubs making players feel comfortable to be able to do that? 100%. And I guess a combination of that and feeling confident in yourself to be brave enough to do that. Yeah, and I think it comes back to anything, any walk of life, if we're talking about on the pitch, off the pitch. I think whenever we discuss some, some things, there's some things that I know I'm not educated enough into sitting to, even though I might be part of that community, even though I might be, so it's something I've experienced. If I don't feel educated enough, then I'll probably not speak about it because I want to make sure that I know what I'm talking about. And I think that's, where, again, where the respect comes from with someone like Megan Rapinoe is that she will stand in front of politicians, in front of presidents and talk about it in a way that she's educated and knows her stuff and can speak from experience whether that's because she sat in a room with someone and asked about it or it's, she's experienced it herself and I think that takes a lot for someone to go out of their way to do that to help advocate for for anyone um but yeah I think there's a there's definitely a collaboration whether it's with a federation a team a workplace a, a partnership even if it's when it comes to the way some of the girls are, are sponsored and partnered with people it's how you kind of use their platform but also you give your experiences and how you kind of collaborate to make sure the story's told in a, in a way that's that's powerful and um and organic because we're talking about things that mean things to us that's why we're doing it um and hopefully they have a bigger impact um but there are probably things where um the girls might avoid or swerve or not talk about because it comes down to education and I just don't think anybody should be put in, in a place where it can have such a powerful effect now because it is, does all go on social media and media that if they say the wrong thing or, or don't say the right thing, then it's they're, they're jumped on when they might it might just be a miseducation or a, mis, a misworded thing. So, um, But thankfully now, I think a lot of us um, do educate ourselves if there's a a theme, a, something coming up that we know is going to be talked about and media the media guys do try and brief us on, on up and coming um, events that might be happening whether it's war in Ukraine or LGBTQ rights or trans rights or, or whatever it is that's, that seems to be the, the running theme within within the media that, that kind of or let's for instance take the FA's uh, bonus thing like there's there's lots of things that we have to kind of be up on beat on because you don't know what you're going to get asked and you want to know kind of you want to be as educated as possible in those moments yeah I definitely think there's um there's been, definitely been an increased expectation I think of players um especially ones you know the, the lionesses are the, the forefront of the attention at the moment to kind of speak on topics like race or like you said LGBTQ rights or what's going on with the wars and I think you know as well as obviously doing your full-time job which is obviously a demanding and very intense environment you also have to be very clued up now on politics and sort of 
you know, popular news, culture, what's happening. Yeah. You know, we saw something similar, I suppose, with Beth Mead sort of, um, you know, getting herself into a bit of hot water last year, I think it was, um, when she was sort of put on the spot about some some race issues and things. And mm. I, I did feel sorry for her. It, she was, it wasn't a question she was expected. It wasn't maybe something that she was prepared for. And, and it is difficult to just give an ad hoc answer after you just play the game or you're in a different mentality, a different space. But... You know, we have seen a lot of advocacy from from the lionesses um, recently, like you just mentioned there with the um, the bonuses. I mean, what's your kind of take on the situation? I mean, last year they were paid fifty thousand, you know, uh, fifty thousand quid each for winning the Euros, which seems like a nice little bonus pot, but probably not <laughs> enough considering the achievement that they that they had just done. Um, yeah. And now we're sort of getting into a situation where you know, because the FIFA have guaranteed X amount for however they reach in the the competition, that um, the FA think that sort of covers things, which to me feels a little bit shit yeah it's it's a difficult one isn't it i think that um the girls obviously deserve a hell of a lot more and there's there's a lot of work being done the past 20 years to make sure the girls are in this position where they they get the the pay they deserve i think um when it has to go to the media it means that um there's a strong feeling within the group that they deserve more it's not just an ad hoc thing that they do there have been a lot of discussions internally with staff with with each other um and again it's about it's not just about this tournament it's about the legacy of of the lionesses in general i think that it's the future and it's the way we shape the game in the future so it's not just about getting more money which everyone will see that as or people will be like well you're getting money off FIFA or whatever but I'm like this is taking years and years to get this point and again we're not even close to probably what it deserves and it's not like the money's not there anymore once upon a time it wasn't so if we we're asking for 50 grand at the tournament we're like well guys it's costing like millions to send you and we don't actually have anything left you're kind of going well right then okay then we'll just have a good time and hopefully come up with a trophy and discuss it afterwards but now the money is actually there so I'm just like but we just do have to be careful and my only thing would be is that we're still on a fine line and tipping point you've still got girls in WSL2 and teams in WSL2 and one that don't have enough money to survive uh, a lot of girls are not getting contracted or whatever and I'm like there's a still a, a an instability within the game itself I, mm-hmm. I'm like do we do we have conversations where the girls get their bonuses but we can feed more money back into grassroots and making sure that that the sustainability of the game as a whole is good and because at the end of the day it's, it's fine if the WSL is doing well but there's still an under underpinning value of like everybody being able to enjoy the game yeah. and feel secure and feel and get paid enough to have a full time um, to make it full time and it's a good prospect and we're still bringing young girls through who can play into BSL2 because we need them to because there's not enough room in squads etc etc so I get where they're coming from I think and again I, I know that they won't just be asking for an out and out probably right there is there will be discussions about the way they can probably do it as well it affects has a positive effect on the game not just for them individually as a team um, but I think the discussions have to be had be, and it had to go to the media because I think you have to make people realise sometimes what's going on behind the scenes oh. which people don't always get so I think it's a good discussion to have um, and again you do it when everybody's talking about it so everyone's talking about the World Cup and then you, you just slyly put in a little by the way we're not getting paid and everything rolls up so you kind of and then you just sit back and let the carnage unfold <laughs> and let the media do all the kind of stirring for you and then yeah um and hopefully that kind of motivates the people who sit in the rooms and sign the checks to, to do what's needed um with whatever they're asking for it's interesting because the the lioness is doing it it's it's being held up as an example of well if if you know one of the best teams in the world are having this fight you know, it shows you how important it is. We're seeing a lot of other teams um, going through similar situations. I think my biggest frustration is a bonus is a bonus. The whole point of a bonus is it's on top of 
what you get, right? Mm. Isn't that the whole purpose of a bonus? So the idea then that you don't get your bonus because you're getting paid seems like such a, I think as well as the, the query then, where is this money going to? It's yeah. coming from FIFA. Where is it going to? Exactly. And that's, that's where I'm a bit like, if you were to tell us that it was going directly into the women's game, into grassroots, and we could tangibly see it as such, I think there probably wouldn't be as many qualms and queries, but we know this money kind of goes back in and then, it seems to evaporate, but we don't really know where to. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's an interesting one. And I think the girls, again, like when we were negotiating or renegotiating our contracts a few years ago, like, or we were talking about the 2019 bonuses um, and the, the big wigs kind of come downstairs and give you a breakdown of what the contracts and the prize money and how it how it works in terms of like their outgoings, how they take that off, the, the bonuses and the internal stuff that goes on and what you're left with and then how you like divide that all up. I'd imagine something similar has gone on or is going on um, right now. But again, the the biggest, the bigger picture is, is that the ripple effect it has. America started it years and years ago when they asked for their bonuses, when they won the World Cup and equal pay and da da da. And now that filters out to filter to Germany when they were doing well. I mean, Germans are. I don't know what they're doing right now, but it doesn't seem great. Then it ventures to us. So we can go sit in a room around a table, go, well, if we win, what are we getting paid? Because this is what they've done. And it's it's kind of nice that you bounce off. And I know, um, speaking to Leah, that she's in contact with the captains, I think the main kind of top 10 captains of the world. And they sit around a table, whether it's they're talking about the, the love armband or their pay rights or whatever. I think that that's what sometimes we're, we're, we're quite good at is collaborating on a global scale to ultimately get what we deserve or what we think is right, um, whether it comes to politics or money well, or whatever. Well, that is it definitely might be. a group I chat that, that I want to be a part of. Can you imagine? Just, powerful like, what would you even call that, that group chat? Like, Girl well, Boss World Cup? Like, Talking of leaders, obviously we do have a new captain at the helm. We've got Millie Bright going into this competition, obviously out long-term with the ACL injury. Um, Obviously it's going to affect the squad in some way, having a bit of a different captain, but also Millie has been a part of the senior, um, you know, in and around the senior squad and with Chelsea uh, for uh, years, decades, millennia. Um, I mean, you've obviously had Millie in front of you um, at international and club level before and she's sort mm. of hope, we're hoping that she's going to be starting that game but still maybe a little bit uncertain given that she's only sort of just got back to, to training um yep. what kind of presence do you think she's going to be with with the squad she's just got such a big personality on and off the field I feel like she's oh, going to be the sort of rock that we all need to shore us up at the back she's great like and she just I, for me I, I just don't think Millie will change like I just think for her it's just a it's an honor to be able to wear the armband again I think her and Leah had such a good relationship in terms of, I don't think that'll astray, even though Leah might not be in Australia, even if she goes to Australia, I think their relationship's obviously grown, obviously probably being big rivals as well, Arsenal and Chelsea. Um, I think like seeing how they um, captain sides is probably a little bit different. Um, Leah's really good at using her voice um, externally as well as internally. And Millie's more like, not that she won't use her voice, but she's very leads by example of how she is on the pitch, how she acts around the girls, her training, her motivation, her ability to get back from such a huge surgery in the amount of time that she's done. I think that just shows her commitment to the side and what she's willing to give um, to make this team successful. Um, and I think they'll collaborate over the next six weeks to make sure that um, 
like Leah can probably help Mills and Mills if and I'm sure Leah's there for Millie if she needs her but I think Millie just does all our talking on the pitch she's just leads by example you just want to fight for her you want to work for her um, you don't want to let her down um, and I think she just brings the best out of you because her, her levels are so high so she just and she's a for all this and she's the worst but best kind of person in terms of like she just wants to win everything like losing just doesn't exist in her mind so um yeah I think that that's how Millie will lead I just don't think her personality does enough talking for itself she's fun she's bubbly but when it comes to to getting on the pitch and doing the work that's that's where you see her thrive so I think now more than ever with her experience with her wearing the armband and potentially with a, a disrupted backline which we've had for the past couple of games but it's probably the least consistent backline we've had over Serena's tenure um that she'd be uh, lent on more than ever but uh I think with having Mary behind her, uh, Lucy to her right, potentially say Alex uh, Alex there, who's Alex has again been around the group for so long, whether she's left back or, or left side centre half, and then not sure obviously who the left back position could be. I think that we've still got a pretty experienced uh, back line, so I'd like to think that Molly's not going to feel like she's going to have to do much more different either or carry players or help players around her. She can just do her job, which is the most important thing, especially when you're coming back from injury and you're trying to like just do you because that is the most important thing we just need Millie to be Euros and pre-surgery Millie which she was flying so if I'm honest she's had this injury for about three years so if we get Millie back with a brand new knee we might actually even get more out of Millie than we had before which is quite scary actually but exciting if you're a Chelsea and England fan (laughs) (laughs) we have a bet on whether Millie's going to make it back for that first game and um I'm saying she is, and Chloe's not so sure. We've got, what did we bet? A, a schooner? Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's a pint. So there's a lot a resting pint. on it. Yeah. It's um, pretty you'll much get a good indi- you'll, get, you'll get a good indication uh, in this internal friendly they'll play against Canada. If she only gets about 30 minutes against Canada, I'm not sure she'll, I think they'd be silly to start, but I think she'd maybe come on. She might, or she might start and do 60, but if she comes on against Canada or doesn't get any minutes, then I'd, I'd Probably not say she's going to start against Haiti. Well, get the pint ready, Rach. Get that pint ready, mate. I'm coming. <laughs> I'll get it ready now. It'll be flat by the time you get here. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that, mate. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to ask, because there have been some concerns about maybe squad depth, mm-hmm. um, but you've spoken about how Serena has pushed you and you, you were vying for a spot in the England squad. Tell us a little bit more, you know, better player management with you. Like, how mm. did she motivate you? Uh, so it's a funny story this so my kind of let's say my international career plans were probably scuppered a bit by Covid so I would have loved to have gone off the back of the 2019 World Cup do the Olympics which would have been 2020 but obviously it all got bumped to year and then I was kind of like when it all got bumped to year I was a bit like I'm not really sure my this is going to align with what I have planned and whether I could push myself to keep going um, and I can hit the levels that I want to hit or I need to be hitting so all kind of got Obviously, I, I love Chelsea and I was quite happy that's where my career was going to end. And I, But I knew obviously I wasn't as playing as much as I needed to be at Chelsea um, to be competing internationally. So then Serena comes in and I get put into the first camp and everyone's going, well, what's Carly doing in the camp? Like, <laughs> just being kind of pulled out of nowhere. Um, and I was kind of like, oh, this is nice. Like, great. <laughs> Back in with the team. Um so she was like, we're going to have a chat when you get here. I really want to know like your thoughts on what you're going to be doing for the next year. And I thought, sounds great. Like we'll have a chit chat. Gets to camp, like training, uh, met obviously Darren for the first time. Lovely guy, uh, really ambitious. His first one working with the girls team as well. So he was like, obviously in kind of, this is how we work or really interesting, having good conversations, having conversations with me, like 
your experience here like what was it like to work within like a group of girls like set pieces how do they what do they like doing or so it was it was really nice camp in terms of that because I feel like it was a good learning experience for everyone but when it comes to mine and Serena's conversation she was like I remember being upstairs in the Southampton um right on the top floor and she was she was taking different people and it wasn't just me there was different people obviously she wanted to it was her first camp she was just meeting people she was like right then Carly so what are your plans? And I was like, very straight to the point. I said, I'm going to be honest with you, Serena. Like, I, I don't really know why I'm here. And I was like, this wasn't really in my plans, to be honest. And she was like laughing. She was like, okay, okay. She was like, but do you want to play? And I was like, again, I'll be very honest. Like, I'm probably a year past of me playing it, wanting to play national football. But I said, however, we do have a, it is a home tournament. And you've kind of, after these past few days of training and getting to know you, I'm like, my feet are twitching a little bit in terms of like do can I just go another year but I said to her I was like look my situation at Chelsea is I'm third choice Emma operates on three well potentially six keepers now was three keepers when I was there but we're at about six or seven now um (laughs) yeah so she likes to always have three keepers being burnt before you get an injury you get COVID and you're left with like no one or you haven't a draft in one of the kids from the academy and she's just like while we're in all competitions it just doesn't work like that she likes to have three competent goalkeepers um, and I was like, probably can't get out on loan and my situation's not going to change. She's like, okay, okay. But she was like, maybe. And I was like, I mean, I, can, I was like, I can ask Emma the question if I can go out on loan. And I was like, that, she was like, I think you should. And I was like, okay, cool. So <laughs> finish the camp, go away. Three weeks later, obviously she's making the selection for the next camp, rings me. Anything's changed? Are you? I said, Serena, no, absolutely not. Nothing's changed. And she's like, have you had the conversation? I said, well kind of dropped it a little bit but not really and she was just like okay okay she was like I can't select you because you haven't been playing I said no I, I, I knew that I was like I, I didn't expect to be in this camp and she's like okay she was like I just I just wanted to to make sure and I was like no no I really honestly I really appreciate the call and she's like, I was like good luck for the games like girls are great they're doing really well <clears throat> so then I signed for San Diego she rings me straight away she's like is this to play are you going out to play and I said <laughs> no Serena I'm not going to play again she was like oh okay she was like well I just want to say good luck so because like it's great she was like um I really like you she's like I hope you do really well she's honestly so sweet with me but she was just we were just really honest with each other and I just knew that my international time was kind of up and I, I was quite happy and content for Mary Ellie Sandy Hannah um for me they're the, the next generation of player um would I've liked to have obviously ended my career winning a Euros I mean who wasn't who doesn't want the fairy tale ending um but that doesn't exist for everyone and there's very few people that get to do that um and I'm very I was very very happy and content with my international career I got to do some amazing things with some amazing people and Serena's just a great person and there's she's not only fantastically fantastic tactically and analytically and how much she loves the game but as a person, I think that's someone that you need in an environment that's very intense. I think she just makes it all very normal and very easy. And it feels very strange sometimes that she's that relaxed. <laughs> um, but it makes you relaxed. And I think you can see that with anyone that kind of ventures into her space. And even with my retirement, she just... I remember doing the media day on the Tuesday before. It was the Saturday. And she come, She was like, it's your day on Saturday. And I was like, what's happening to me? She was like, I'm not telling you, but it's your day. And we're going to celebrate. And I was just like, even that, I'm like, I don't see her, but she's so nice. And she's always like, oh my God, how are you? You look so well. Like, she's just like, has a real nicety about her that she just takes. She just listens and she notices things and she just makes you feel like very appreciated um whatever role you play 
for her within her team. What an accolade. You're the person who turned down Serena Wiegman twice. <laughs> don't, don't put that as the headline. Um, but yeah, there was, there was, um, it was, it was, it was, it was really nice that she really thought that I could be part of the group. I think she appreciates obviously the balance of having experience and whatnot, but at the end of the day, I knew my time was the right time. And I knew that the group that she had as goalkeepers and as, as the team around her, that my experience was not needed or required, but it was, again, an experience. I think that um, Sandy, Hannah, um, Ellie and Mary would have benefited more from. Uh, so obviously you announced your retirement uh, in March this year. Yeah. Um, can we know? Can we get the inside scoop, the upfront exclusive <laughs> on what is next for Carly Telford? Uh, okay, so come on, drum roll. Official. This is gonna. Right, okay. Let me. Okay, I'll put it on you guys first. What do you think I'm gonna be doing? Oh, I mean, there's something around the fact that we're gonna get this Kaz Carney review um, at the end of the week there's going to be a lot of recommendations that are going to be coming out of it. I'm hoping it's not one of these reports that just sort of lands on everyone's desk. We go, ah, these are the headline points and it just sort of get brushed away. So I think um, maybe something to assist the transition of the FA not controlling the elite game in any way. I think going into sort of a, this private limited company type mould role. Mm-hmm. This is my vibe. Interesting. I think Emma Hayes is going to bring you back to Chelsea to wrangle all of those seven hundred goalkeepers that she said. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it's not. It's, at least it's not being. I am actually the seventh goalkeeper that I'm resigning to Chelsea. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm actually. That's quite a good way of thinking it because a lot of people, when I've said to them that, oh, "What are you going to do?" Everyone's like, "Are you going to coach?" And I'm like, "Absolutely not." Um, as much as I love goalkeeping and <clears throat> it is a very big passion, I think I've worked with goalkeeping coaches to know that you don't get paid enough and it's grueling amount of hours that I've done my time I've hung up the gloves and the boots for a reason I will probably venture back onto the pitch and maybe do something with the FA uh, maybe mentoring or something like that with some of the youngsters but my official role as of last Thursday is I am uh, Chelsea's new brands and partnership player manager come on so I am in charge of my role is to sit in with sponsorships and brands and partners and help them understand as a player uh, what we can bring to their brand and and the value we bring and help align them um, with we've basically separated for the first time from the men in terms of like our marketing and branding so we don't sit under as much as we sit under an umbrella we have the opportunity to do our own thing um, with the shirts, with the stadium, um, and with partnerships. So, um, again, it was Emma who had this conversation. We have been having talks about it, but when we, um, recruited our new director, uh, we had a meeting and an hour after our meeting, she ran me and said, she was like, I want you to work with me. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, and I was like, this is really scary because this is really new, but <laughs> we've been in talks for about six weeks. I officially signed my contract on Thursday and I officially started, had my first day in work yesterday, but we're kind of managing my time because I did say my summer was packed with like lots of cool stuff to do around the World Cup. So Zara's been great with me. I'm really excited because I think it's, it's, I did my dissertation on it, so it's not like I'm totally um, not clued in on it, but I like to say I've been lucky enough in my time to spend a lot of time with some important people and discuss contracts and the value of women's sport in general, not just women's football. Um, and hopefully we can get the right brands and partnerships in place to allow the girls to one, get paid more, um, two, to give less of their time, which I'm all for because they get pulled everywhere, but also like it brings value to the game um, that we're sending the right messages and that uh, Chelsea Women's Football Club becomes a real talked about thing globally because of what they represent um, 
ideally. So yeah, well, that's congratulations. Uh, I won't you. put you on the spot and say who would be your Brilliant. preferred front of shirt sponsor because I hear you guys are missing <laughs> one of those at the moment. We are, um, we are. Unfortunately, Zara only came into the job about six, well, about two weeks ago she started officially. So it's been a bit of a scramble and there is a, um, I think, potentially with the men not being in champions. It's funny because a lot of discussions we are having, a lot of people want to be involved with the women's team, uh, which is great for us. But obviously we have to navigate certain spaces uh, when it comes to like the men's team as well. So I think this year we'll, it'll be interesting with what they try and do. But we, you've seen today we announced trying to sell um, seven games at Stamford Bridge this year. We want to sell them out. We want women's football in London to be the place to go, whether that's the Emirates of, of Stamford Bridge. Obviously, we'd love you to come to Stamford Bridge more than the Emirates, boo. Uh, but again, it's about collaborating and making sure with the broadcasters and, and whatnot and the FA that we don't have games clashing. Everyone wants to see there's neutral fans that want to see lionesses and whatnot and, and being able to come to games, make it accessible. But we have put our prices up for a reason that we think that the, it deserves to go up. The girls deserve to be paid and in a way that they're, they're valued more now and having a ticket for five pound you get to make a choice on a thursday night if you want to not go or not because it's only five pound if it's 15 pound you're probably going to want to go um because you paid your money so i think that it's making it um help people understand that as to why um the product's gone up the quality's gone up you're at a main stadium having a much better experience than maybe a king's medal etc so there's lots of conversations going on but hopefully front of shirt will be dealt with in due course well, great to hear you're back at Chelsea. I remember having a chat with you in the airport in Barcelona after the Barcelona-Chelsea game. Yeah. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's great to hear you're, you're back there. I can't get away. Can I? Third stint now. <laughs> Third stint. I've gone again. The, the most, probably the most important question that we're going to ask you. Are you ready? Yeah. Predictions. I'm ready. We love them on this show. Yeah. How far can England go? Anything other than the final would be... I think internally they'd be disappointed. When it comes to the final, I'm just like, even knockout games, anything can happen. We've seen that in the Euros. There was teams that should have won games and didn't. There was team controversial moments. Um, but I just think that we can at least make the final. And then after that, I'm like, it's 90 minutes of, of hell for whatever team's going to win or lose. Um, but yeah, I think that I think we'll we'll make the final. I know it's a, it's a tricky path, but any major tournament's a tricky path there's no guarantees in this World Cup unlike any other there's players missing there's teams in disarray there's injuries there's whatnot. there's huge amounts of travel um, lots of different climates and there'll be games where there's lots of fans games where there's not so I just think it's a it's one of those World Cups where there's a lot of names in the hat that could potentially win it Um, but I have to say that I think England internally will be seeing finals the minimal but and, and I believe they'll make the final Again, thank you so, so much for giving up your um, time and just sort of giving so us a much. bit more insight into the Lionesses, your career, like where it's all going, uh, all the madness and magic that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, really appreciate it, and especially since we've prevented you from getting those Taylor Swift tickets as well. But I'm hoping that Sorry. Alex Not Morgan is going to come through and hook you up. I know, um, I think she owes me for the tea thing alone, to be honest. <laughs> shows us all. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Upfront. We're back next week with our definitive World Cup preview pod and me and Rachel will finally be in the same country again. Remember to hit subscribe in your podcast app and get in touch with your questions in the meantime. I am at Morgie underscore 89, Rachel is at Girls on the Ball and generally we are at Football Ramble. See you next week.
Upfront is a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network.